0: Hallelujah. Well, we're uh, looking at grace, the power of the gospel. And uh, the title of the message tonight may seem a little bit strange, The New Husband. But uh, I think as we go along, you'll be able to uh, get a better idea of what it's actually talking about. Uh, The point that Paul is wanting to bring out and once again, he's, he's dealing with the the subject um, of how we've been, we've been set free from sin. It's not a process. It's not something that we're working towards. Uh, we've been set free from the bondage of sin. Um, that the old has passed away, that the brand new has come. And... Uh, especially when you go through the book of Romans, you see over and over again that, that Paul really emphasizes this point. and And you know, he, he emphasizes it so strongly, it's just kind of uh, amazing that the church hasn't um, been able to get a hold of it in all of these years. That uh, um, the enemy has been able to lie and deceive and and uh, confuse. And so let's, uh, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them. It's in your notes. But uh, we're looking at Romans, the seventh chapter. And we're going to begin in the first verse. Romans 7, 1, it says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives, and so he's talking to those that have the law that understand the law. He says, You know, if you if you understand it, you know that the law has dominion over you as long as you live, and so as long as uh, what he's talking about here lives, the law has dominion. Then we go into the second verse, and it says, For the woman, and so what he's doing here is he's using a natural truth uh, to bring out a spiritual truth. And, uh, you know, Jesus did it all the time with parables where he would, he would take a, a natural principle, a natural truth, and he'd use that. And in, in, in technically, um, what a parable is, it's a, it's a natural truth that's laid down alongside a spiritual truth so that we can have greater understanding. And so what Paul is doing in this portion of Scripture He's using something natural that everybody can understand that logically makes sense to us in the physical. And he's taken that truth and he's laying it down next to a spiritual truth so that we can have greater understanding of it. And so let's begin in the first verse again. It says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion, over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she's released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from the law so that she is, not, she, she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may marry to another, that you may be married to another, to him who who is raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to him, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members uh, to bear fruit to death. And so here he's talking about, and he says, you know, it's it's understood by natural law that when a husband, a man and a woman, when they marry one another. Um, According to the law, they're bound to one another, and if for any reason um, they would uh, separate, any reason um, they would have intimacy with another person, um, they would be breaking. They would be breaking the law. And according to you know, and of course, he's talking to those that understand the law, so he's using that biblical principle that under the law, if you're married to somebody. Um, there, there's, no, there's no avenue of separation or divorce. And so he's saying, as long as the partner is still alive, according to the law, you're bound to that individual, and there's no way to separate it unless one of them dies. And if one of them dies, then you're, um, you're free to, as the scripture says, marry who you will only in the, in the Lord. And so he's, he's drawn this comparison, and what he's wanting us to be able to see here is in the natural, in the flesh, um, we're bound by the law. In other words, the flesh ruled, the flesh dominated our lives. And uh, <clears throat> that's why people, when they simply try to take the principles of Christianity and simply add it to their life. It doesn't work. It may work for a while. Maybe you know, out of willpower, a person may be able to to abide by it. But it but it really doesn't work because um, that person is still bound to sin. They're still bound to the flesh. They're still bound to the old to, to the uh, to the law. And so there's, there's been no, no release there, if you will, if I can use that as a term. You know, it just... And so he's using this example of marriage here. You know, the two come together. And as long as uh, one of them are alive, they're still, they're still bound. That's why the Scripture talks about the fact that we were crucified with Christ... We died with Christ. In other words, for us, to be, for us to be free from the law, we have to die. If we don't die, we're still bound to it. It still has dominion, as he says in, in that first verse there. For do you, do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. So as long as we live, the law has dominion over us. So for that to be broken, we have to die. And uh, that's where it comes back to where we were buried with Christ. We, we died with Christ. You know, this, this week we're celebrating You know, Holy Week. Um, Easter Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, Good Friday, we celebrate the crucifixion of Christ. But see, the significance of the crucifixion, it isn't just Jesus that died on that cross. We died on that cross with him. We died to the law. We died to the old nature. We died to our old self. And then the significance of of Sunday, of Easter, is that we didn't, we didn't just simply remain dead. We were resurrected with him. But we weren't resurrected into the old life. We were resurrected into newness of life. And so what that did for us, allowed for us, is for us to have a, a whole new relationship. And so our relationship then, and so this is where this, this whole marriage thing comes in. See, we're, we're married, we're united with Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we're not, we don't just simply attend church on Sunday morning. We are united with Jesus Christ. We're in union with Jesus Christ. And the reason that we're able to be in union with him with newness of life is because we died to the old life. And so the law no longer has dominion over you and I because what that dominion does is it leads to to sin, it leads to death, it leads to rebellion. And so the law no longer has dominion over us because we've been set free from because we're dead to it. You know, that's why when, when sin tries to raise its ugly head and tempt us, We can look at it and we can say, well, that has no dominion over me. That has no power over me because I'm dead to that. And I'm dead to that because I'm no longer united with that. You know, the reason that um, sin, whatever our issues were, the reason that they had such power over us is because they had dominion over us. Because we were under that law. Because that was... Uh, what was ruling and reigning in her life. And so the, the, the comparison that he's using here is that in the same way, and he uses uh, <clears throat> the bride here, the woman, that she's married to a man, and, and as long as she's isn't it interesting that, that we're, I won't go into that, I don't like that. I don't like that comparison, now that I'm really thinking about it. I really don't like that very much. You know, because it's talking about dominion and ruling and all that kind of stuff. But as long as he's alive, she's not at liberty to be united with another. But as soon as he's dead, she's, she's at liberty. We're at liberty to be united to another because of the death of Jesus Christ. Because he died, and as long as we recognize that we've been crucified, that we've died with him, we can rise up in newness of life. And so this is where our us being a threefold being comes in once again. You know, we're spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. And uh, I'm going to use the soul as being the you. You know, we, we usually refer to that the real you is your spirit man. But in a sense, it's, your soul is tremendously involved, which is your mind, will, and emotions, because it's, it's your soul that determines. And so <clears throat> we didn't act the way that we acted because we were bad people. It was because the flesh was ruling. And the flesh always wants to do one thing, the flesh always wants to satisfy self. And that's why if the flesh is allowed to rule, it's, um, you know, we talked about on, on Sunday about the agape love of God. The, 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 your flesh is incapable of that because the flesh always wants to satisfy self. And so that's why as long as the flesh is allowed to rule, what'll happen is, it'll always swing over, what we call love, will always swing over and it'll end up in lust. Because um, the object is no longer there to love, the object is there to satisfy. And so, I, does that make any sense? You know, and so that's why um, you know, a, a definition of love, leaving God out, is an incomplete definition of love because love is always gonna be based, or it's gonna be rooted in the spirit. And so, <clears throat> when we get free from the flesh, and the only way for us to be free from the flesh is for us to die to it. You know, the apostle Paul said, I die daily, or I face death daily. You know, what he's, what he's saying is that, you know, <clears throat> we died with Christ Jesus, but there's, there's things in our life continually want to rise up. And on a daily basis, we have to say no to those things. I'm dead to you. You no longer have authority in my life uh, because I'm I'm united to another. I'm joined to another. There's another that has dominion over my life, and his name is, is Jesus Christ. And so the flesh is to no longer rule and reign you know, which is the old nature. And so that's where the soul comes in, because the soul, our mind, uh, it's gonna determine which way we're gonna go. Are we gonna follow the flesh, or are we gonna follow the spirit? Well, there's a period of time where we couldn't help but follow the flesh, because that was what was dominant. It was the flesh of man. But when we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we died to that old nature, we died to that. And it no longer had dominion over us. And we began then to submit to the spirit man. And see, the more that we recognize what Christ has poured out in our heart, the more that we yield, the more that we submit to that the more that we experience the victory that has truly been provided for us through Christ Jesus. You know, um, took us a few years to figure it out, but, you know, when Jesus died on the cross and he was resurrected from the dead and he ascended on high, what did he do? He sat down with the right hand and God on high because he had finished his work. And so it's a completed work, it's a finished work, and, and so where we enter in, where our soul enters in, is for us to come to an understanding of what Jesus has truly done, what he's done for each and every one of us. So let's turn over uh, to John, the Gospel of John, third chapter. And the fifth and the sixth verse. Let's just back up a little bit. Let's just uh, back up to the fourth verse. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And of course, you know, Jesus has said, you know, that you must be born again. And so Nicodemus is looking at it totally from a physical point of view. And he's looking at it and he says, how can a a man be born again? You know, can he enter in a second time into his mother's womb and be, be born anew? And Jesus answered, and so Jesus is answering a question here. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And of course, how many of you know now, if you listen listening to Creflo Dollar this week, you'd be hearing this, uh, he, because he, he's talking about uh, today is talking about the importance of um, studying the word in context, and uh, and so um, I was part of a denomination that uh, their interpretation of this scripture was because it says. Uh, for one to be, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, you cannot be part of the kingdom of God. And so that interpretation from this scripture was, unless you're water baptized, you know, water sprinkled on you, and the Spirit of the Word is spoken over you, you can't be born again. And so that's why within the denomination that I grew up in, um, babies were Baptized, they were sprinkled as infants. And and in fact, it's gone to such the extreme that within that denomination, many of the pastors that I know in that denomination, when their baby is born in the hospital, in the delivery room, they will baptize their infant because they want their child to be part of the kingdom of God. And if they're not born of water and the spirit, Um, they're not going to be saved. How many of you know that this scripture passage here has absolutely nothing to do with water baptism? Absolutely nothing to do with water baptism. And let me just put you at ease if you're thinking that I'm implying that if your infant was not sprinkled, um, that they're not saved. Um, I believe when you study scripture as a whole, you know, studying Scripture as a whole, we find out that a child reaches the age of accountability where they, they choose. You know, because I've had, I have had, I still have them. <clears throat> I have four kids. And uh, every one of them, growing up in a preacher's house, had to come to a point where they had to decide for themselves whether or not they're going to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Now, I'm of the persuasion that that transition can be so smooth that you don't even realize that it's taking place, that it's, you know, their depth of belief just goes deeper and deeper to the point that one day decide, you know what, I want to be, it's time for me to be water baptized because I believe in Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior you know our, our baby <laughs> Rachel who's not a baby anymore but you know we were you know I was sprinkled Becky was sprinkled uh, and uh, we were pastoring this church when I came to the conclusion I needed to be dunked and uh, so we were have, we we're having a baptism And at that baptism, I was going to be baptized. Pastor Becky was going to be baptized. Um, Jeff was to be baptized. Nicole was to be baptized. And Aaron was to be baptized. But Rachel was just a little thing. And so, you know, I wanted her to wait until she really knew and she could make that decision herself. And so uh, the night before the baptism, I'm upstairs tucking her in, kissing her goodnight. And she says, Daddy, she says, why can't I be baptized tomorrow with everybody? And I says, well, do you want to? And she says, yes. And I says, well, why do you want to? And she says, well, I believe that Jesus died for me and that he was rose from the dead. And I I believe that I've received him as my Lord and Savior. And I says, well you are going to be baptized tomorrow. (laughs) And so all six of us were immersed on the same day. Now, I don't know when she reached that accountability, but it was definitely there that night because she was able to choose. And so if you've got a, I'm just sharing this because if you've got a child and they've not been um, sprinkled or baptized, Um, In fact, the great question, you know, what about people that don't understand? You know, because there's people that are mentally challenged. I don't know if I said that politically correctly because I don't know. I'm I'm too old. I don't know what political, is politically correct. But but anyway, they're, they're mentally challenged or whatever it may be. I don't. There's people that I, I believe never reach that place of accountability because they can't. They can't choose, and so you, you definitely don't have to worry about your child because uh, they'll reach that age. They'll get immersed. He that believeth and is baptized, and so I believe that belief has to come along with that, and. And I, I came to that conclusion on my own as I studied the Scripture as a whole. Well, that really got off target, didn't it? But praise God, this is a series because we'll just add another week if we have to. You know, but, but the point is that, this is that this is not what this is talking about. What are you saying, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water... <clears throat> What happens when a baby is born? Passes through water. There's there's the water that's released. And the Spirit. And so he's talking about two births there. Talking about the physical birth and he's talking about spiritual birth. Shall not enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. Notice what he's talking about here. He's talking about flesh and Spirit. He's not talking about Spirit and baptism, or baptism and spirit. He's talking about flesh and spirit. And he says, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And so Jesus is saying here that first comes the physical, and then comes the spiritual. We are all alive physically. We were bound to the physical. It dominated. It controlled our lives. But through Christ Jesus, we died to that. No Lord has dominion over our lives. And, you know, I believe that one of the reasons why it's so important to emphasize this is for us to begin to recognize that those things that have appeared to hang on to us that we can't seem to get dominance over, that we have the dominion. It has no dominion over us. We've been given the dominion through Christ Jesus. The Spirit has dominion over the flesh. And so we've got to begin to see that that no longer has the right and the authority to dominate and to tell me what I'm going to do. That's what I yield to the Spirit. And the Spirit, that's His voice. That's what He speaks over, over me. And so that's where, you know, I, I said the soul is kind of in the middle. For us to begin to recognize, I'm not going to allow the flesh to dominate anymore. I'm not going to listen to the, to the voice of the flesh. Did you know your, vo- your flesh has a voice? It's your sense realm. It's what you feel, it's what you hear, it's what you smell, it's what you taste, it's what you see. That, that's, that's the voice of the flesh and that's how it tries to dominate us, is through that voice. But we have a, we have a voice in the spirit. And so what we, we need to do is train ourselves rather than to listen to the voice of the flesh, listen to the voice of the spirit but in order to do that we've got to realize i don't hear you anymore you don't dominate me you don't control me but you do the spirit does and so i'm going to i'm going to hear that and that's where of course where the word of god comes in because you know the word of god is god speaking to us and uh Oftentimes we think, well, you know, I don't hear from God because I don't hear an audible voice. Well, join the club. You know, not that God can't speak to us audibly, but that's the exception. That's, that's not the rule. The rule is that He speaks to us through His Word, and through that Word we get, what should I use, umption. We get direction. We We hear. You know, it, it's interesting. Do You know, it, it's hard to bring back to your remembrance something you've never heard. You ever had your spouse accuse you that they told you something and they didn't? And you know they didn't. Watch it, Bill. She's sitting next to you. She can slap you. Mine's all, mine's all the way out there. But you know, it's hard to bring to remembrance that which he hast not heard. Hast not heard? That was good. I think that I'll put that in my book. <clears throat> no, I'm in the book. Yeah. But, it, but, it, but it's true. But you know what? It's the same thing with the things of God. You know, before I read, and I don't mean just reading over, I mean read, heard, that by the stripes of Jesus I've been healed. If somebody asked for prayer, I would have never given them that scripture because I didn't, I didn't know that scripture. You know, before I was born again, even though I went to church every Sunday, I didn't know that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It was was there. But I never heard it because I'd never really read it. It wasn't able to be brought to my remembrance. And so that's why the Word of God is so important to us because that's how God really wants to speak to us is, is through his word. In uh, Luke the first chapter the46 40, verse, Luke the first chapter 46, verse 46. It says, "And Mary said, "My soul, what? Her soul magnifies the Lord." And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord. You know, our soul ought to magnify the Lord. And then it goes on, like I said, and it says, And my spirit has rejoiced in the God my salvation. And so what's happening here? What's happening in the life of Mary? It's it's the spirit that's dominating. You know, and what's so ironic about this is that Mary wasn't even born again. Well, she was the mother of God. Yeah, and she had to be filled with the Holy Ghost just like everyone else. But she wasn't she wasn't born again. She wasn't born again until after Jesus. Her son was raised from the dead. But here, you know, it says that she, her soul magnified the Lord. Well, what are, what are we focusing on? Are we going <clears> to <throat> magnify the circumstances? Or are we going to magnify the Lord? You know, <clears throat> when you... When you magnify something, you make it bigger. And that's what we do oftentimes when we listen to the flesh. The flesh wants to magnify everything around us. It wants to magnify the problems. It wants to magnify the issues. It wants to magnify it to the point to where there seems to be no resolution. There seems to be no hope. But when we begin to magnify the Lord, what happens? We begin to have hope. The circumstances haven't changed. But because we've magnified the Lord, we begin to have hope. We begin to see that even though the enemy intends this for evil, he intends it for destruction, I serve a God that can take this very same thing and he can turn it around and use it for the good the good in my life, the good for those around me. You know, um, because of the way that I've got off course and so forth tonight, this doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. But, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it talks about how uh, we're to have the gifts of the Spirit. One of those gifts of the Spirit is praying in, in tongues, praying in the Spirit. But you know, the thing about it is, as long as we look to the flesh, we'll never do it. Because, um, you know, when, when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, um, I read this book, uh, I can't remember the author's name, but it was something, you know, just, the title was just the Holy Ghost or something like that, I remember. But, you know, um, Becky had gone someplace, so I was home alone and I read this book and at the end it had this prayer that you prayed and and uh, asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and so I prayed the prayer and I laid there and nothing happened. I thought, well, nothing happened. <laughs> there we go. Nothing happened. And so nothing happened. So the next night she was gone again. That was a lot of our routine when before we were safe, she was gone. <coughs> and, and uh, you know, of course I was saved, but things just hadn't changed a whole lot yet at that point. But so I was home again, and I read the book again. And, you know, had the prayer at the end again. But then I, I was reading in, in Acts, second chapter, and it says on the day of Pentecost, that there was, a, I, I could see there was a certain order the way that things were done. And the order was, and they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they began to pray in other tongues. And so I saw something. They were baptized in the Holy Ghost, and then they prayed in other tongues. They didn't pray in other tongues and get baptized in the Holy Ghost. They were baptized in the Holy Ghost, They prayed in other tongues. And so they were able to pray in other tongues because they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. I think that's pretty clear, isn't it? And so I prayed the prayer again. I'm laying there in bed. Didn't feel anything. And I says, well, Father, I asked and your word says you will withhold no good thing from me. So I thank you. I thank you for baptizing me in the Holy Ghost. I really appreciate it. Thank you for baptizing me in the Holy Spirit. So, since I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, still not feeling anything, I'm gonna go ahead and pray in other tongues. And needless to say, I've been shun dying ever ever since. But guess what? I had to respond to the spirit. You know, how do, we, how do we get manifestation in our life concerning fleshly things? We respond to what the flesh is showing us and telling us we need to do. Am I right or am I right? I thought I was right. Well, how does it work in the spiritual realm? Same way. We hear it from the Spirit, we see it in the Spirit, we respond to, in the Spirit. Well, Pastor Dave, I just don't believe it can be that simple. Well, take it up with God, because it was that simple. I didn't have fluent language, I just had a few words. But I, I prayed in the Spirit, and I've been praying in the Spirit ever since. Now, that was just one area. But see, my soul was involved because my soul had to make the decision I'm going to accept I'm going to believe what the Spirit says. You know, I was I think I shared on Sunday that I had my car worked on last week and so I was stuck in a car dealership for six hours or something like that. And Thank goodness I had my Kindle with me and so I was I was able to read, but one of the books that I read, you know, because of circumstances that are going on around us. Yeah. And you see, I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't rely upon what I know. <laughs> that, that'd get me in so much trouble because I just don't know very much. So I don't, I don't rely on what I know. I rely on who I know. And who I know is Jesus and the Holy Ghost. And so I, I in, in my Kindle, um, two of the main books that I have there, because that way I can take it every place that I go, it's Brother Hagin's uh, In Him and Brother Hagan's God's Medicine. And so I, I read, you know, it's just a little mini book. And so I, I read God's Medicine and read through all the scriptures and and within that little mini book, uh, part of it is Brother Hagin's testimony about when he was on that bed of affliction and uh, on the verge of death at the age of 16 years old. And uh, where he got a hold of the Scripture, and that's when he got a hold of Mark 11:23 23 and 24, that whatsoever you man, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast to sea and shall not die in his heart, you'll have whatever he says, and, And so he said at that point is when he got a hold of the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. But you know, for him to get to that point, he had to hear. He had to hear what the Word of God has to say. For us to get to that point, we've got to hear what the Word of God has to say to us. And then, even after we hear it, we've got to choose to... Believe it. We've got to choose to accept it. And you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't, always, it doesn't always make a lot of sense. You know, <clears throat> I, I talked earlier about water baptism. You know, growing up in an environment, in a church that preached um, baby baptism, sprinkling. And, uh, you know, I, I stayed in that church. You know, because there wasn't really a lot of options uh, for almost four and a half years before I went into the, into the, into the ministry, went to, back to Bible school. And uh, during that time, most of the people that I hung out with uh, were dunkers. You know, they believed that you, you, you need to be baptized after you've reached the age of accountability and needed to be fully immersed. And uh, they, were, they were on a continual basis trying to convert me. And I was unconvertible. And because I, I didn't want to hear it, because this is, this is what I've heard all these years. And, and surely everything that I've heard over all these years couldn't possibly be wrong. And, you know, and Martin Luther started the Reformation. And so, you know, how dare you come against Martin Luther you know and so i you know I knew and, and so during that time i'm I'm in that denomination and and even then when I went to when, when I went to Bible school, the Bible school were um, was founded by people that came out of the denomination that I came out of, uh, but they just received the left foot of fellowship because they got baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues, and so they threw him out of the denomination. So they started this Bible school, but they still taught infant baptism. And so when I got in my first church up in Wapaca, Wisconsin, I, had, I, I began to study for myself. And that's where I began to take scriptures that we looked at earlier, and I began to put it in its context began to study the scripture in its context. And where it says, baptism doth also now save you. That isn't put an emphasis that um, it's the act alone that saves you when, you when you studied in context. In context, it's talking about faith with baptism. And so I began, and that's where I came to the conclusion that scripture points out that it's immersion after conversion. And so that's why I believe, and that's why we practice here, um, immersion. Because I believe that that's what the the scripture points out and and it came from the study of the word. And, And the thing about it is, and this is a point that I'm wanting to get to. See, I battled that. You know, the Scripture says that the traditions of man causes the Word to be ineffective. And so what I'd heard, the traditions and so forth, were having a greater effect upon me than the Scriptures until I got to the point where I said, the Scripture is going to be number one. If, if my, my doctrine doesn't line up with Scripture, then my doctrine has to change. You know, and so... <clears throat> Our doctrine ought to be um, alive. You know, because I don't know about you. I mean, I've been saved now for over 40 years, and I see things in the Scripture that I didn't see before. And the things that I see in Scripture... Now, now don't, don't misunderstand me. My, my, the foundations are unmovable because it's, it's, it's upon the Word of God. But I'm talking about uh, other doctrinal issues that are built upon that. Any structure is brick upon brick if it's, if it's going to grow, if it's going to have any, any height, any depth to it. But the foundation has to be laid properly, otherwise... Um, it's, it's not going to be secure. And so, you know, my foundation is Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, where it's talking about the six elementary principles of Christ, which are repentance from dead works, faith towards God, instructions on washings, baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. You know, so those are the six, maybe you shouldn't even call them foundation, the cornerstones that our, our our faith is built upon. But see, even within that, when it came to baptisms, I had to do some uh, reinforcement where my foundation was concerned. Because where it's talking about washings or baptisms, it, it is baptisms. It's plural. And so it's talking about being baptized in Christ, which is being born again. It's talking about being baptized in water, which is the outward expression of our inward faith. It's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the baptism of fire. And so all of that is inclusive within that baptisms. And so like I said, I've had to reinforce then or redo my foundation in some areas so that it would, would stand, so that I could truly build upon that and have truly a solid foundation. But see, when we take, you know, God is not anti-doctrine. He's just anti-bad doctrine. And bad doctrine is any doctrine that isn't established according to the Word of God. So that's why it's so important for us to, to continue in the Word, that we never leave it, that we never forget about it. Galatians, well, let's go to Romans 6.3. Romans 6.3. Or do you not know That as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Now what's the significance of that? We we were baptized in his death. We, We died to that old. It no longer has dominion in our lives. In Galatians, the second chapter, the 20th verse. Paul here is speaking, and he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And so what's he recognizing? What's he acknowledging there? He's talking about the new life. And so we need to recognize that we were crucified with Christ. We were crucified to the old nature. And we've been resurrected in newness of life in Christ Jesus. That we are brand new individuals. Uh, now, I still have the same flesh. You know, woke up the morning after I was saved, looked in the mirror, and was the same old face looking back at me. Because that didn't change. But my nature was changed. You know, it's interesting. I went to church that, that next Sunday... And the church um, that had just become ritualistic for me, all of a sudden, as we went through the liturgy and everything, I heard the gospel. Church didn't change. It hasn't changed for a hundred years. Well, I guess they have. They've went to page something or other rather than page something or other. Got a new hymn and an all. Hyman and an all. I know him no, I can say it. I just don't want to. I changed. I died. I was resurrected in newness of life. and as a result of that, Christ was alive in me. Because Christ was alive in me, I could hear what the Holy Spirit had to say. And so the problem oftentimes isn't out there, it's in here. It's within me that I don't recognize the life that's truly in me. And so this is what Paul was talking about in Romans 7 when he was talking about the marriage. It really, the point wasn't the husband and wife. That wasn't the emphasis of that portion of Scripture. The, the portion, the emphasis of the Scripture was that we're now dead and we're now joined to another. Reading verse 4 again of Romans 7. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. You've become dead to the law. In other words, it no longer has dominance, dominion, over you. Well, Pastor, why don't we want the law to have dominion over us? Because of what the law will lead to. It'll lead to rebellion, it'll lead to sin. And so, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married, that you may be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. You know, if you keep the law, what kind of fruit are you bearing? You're bearing it to yourself. But when we recognize, when, we, when we're in Christ Jesus, the fruit that we're going to bear are, are, is fruit unto Him, because we can't do it on our own. But we can do it all through Him. And what's the fruit that's going to be born? It's going to be love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, Why is that one always so hard to remember? You know, so, but anyway, that's what's going to be working in our life. One last passage out of Proverbs 23, Proverbs 23, verse 7. We're all familiar with this passage. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, where do we think? We think in our soul. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we're, we're, what's, what's dominating our thought life? What's, what's dominating that pattern? Are we listening to the flesh? Are we listening to and are we following after the Spirit? The flesh, the old nature, has no right to dominate us any longer, but we've got to recognize that. We've got to look at it and say, I've died to that. I've resurrected not to the old nature. I've resurrected to newness of life in Christ Jesus. I'm freed from the old so that I can be joined to the new. And so in the same respect that we need to see ourselves as being freed from the old, we need to begin to see ourselves joined to the new. You know, over the years, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, I just just don't hear from God. Well, then you're not listening. Because we hear from God. You know, even if it's simply from His Word, we hear from God. But, you know, it's an interesting thing about the Word. The Word has a difficult time speaking to us if we don't ever think about it. Well, read it too, but even after you've read it, if you don't think about it. I mean, um... If Pastor Becky tells me something and I don't give it another thought, it doesn't have, it has no impact upon my life. And for my health, it needs to have impact on my life. (laughs) Let me tell you something about the Word of God. If all it is is that you read a chapter every morning and then you don't give it another thought, it has no impact in your life. And for life, it needs to have impact in you. And so that's what it's talking about. So, because <clears throat> if uh, if I'm born again and God doesn't speak to me, then he's a respecter of Persons. And if he's a respecter of persons, he's a liar. And I can't trust anything that he has to say because who can trust a liar? But I can trust it because he is not a respecter of persons. And so he speaks to me because he's faithful to his word. And so again, if I don't hear him, it's because I'm not listening to him. Or I'm not paying attention to what he's saying and what he said to me. And so, if I want that to change, I change. You know, he's done it all. My part is to believe him, to act upon what he's told me. So, hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came tonight? I am glad you came tonight.